Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Queers at Play. I'm Mark and I'm joined as always by Ruben. Hello. And this week by Corey. Hello. So, there has been a small amount of controversy, I would say, in the last couple of weeks in the gaming world. I think that's probably fair, isn't it? Just a, a small amount. There has been a smidge of discourse, yes. Yes. Just a little bit. <laughs> and top of that list, really, is uh, the announcement of some new Switch Online games, which I'm sure we're all very excited about, right? That is definitely the most controversial thing that happened this week. Indeed. I can't, I can't <laughs> envisage anything more controversial happening. Like, I can't even remember the names of the games. I can tell Which... you that they are Claymates, Jelly Boy, and Bomboozle, all for the SNES. And has anyone ever heard of these games? No. Uh, I have heard of Claymates, but that was the only one of the three that I had heard of. I love that for you. <laughs> I literally the Thank moment you. I saw this announcement I forgot it immediately same like it was such a sad announcement that Nintendo didn't even tweet it <laughs> uh, they did eventually they got round to it eventually they were like oh we should probably tweet about this now right and somebody went yeah probably nobody's gonna care though and they didn't And yeah nobody did but like the thing I can't help but think with Switch Online is there must be a reason they're keeping back those big titles that everyone wants on this service. The the, the big NES and SNES titles that aren't on it yet. There must be some sort of licensing issue or something like that. I mean, certainly, yeah, there will be with the third party ones, obviously. You know, they've got to get agreements with Square or whoever. But, you know, there are certainly two big Nintendo published titles for the SNES that everyone is desperately hoping for that hasn't made it over, right? Cough, cough, Earthbound, cough, cough. Yeah. And Super Mario RPG. Although like, that well, one is probably tied up with Square, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yes, so who knows where Earthbound is, um, but it does seem like they've used all of their low-hanging fruit, right? <laughs> you, you'd think, and like, so now they're just going for what they can get. I mean, you think rather than you know, I, I mean, this this is obviously a pipe dream that you and I, Mark, have discussed at length before. But you think once they've reached kind of like because they're not even the bottom of the barrel now, they're kind of shuffling up the stuff that fell through the barrel onto the ground and kind of fermented that's what they've reached so i mean maybe maybe these are hidden gems i've never played them I mean, just... nah, i'm pretty sure the bugs are covering them yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 these these are these are long flung corpses of a game um but like surely at that point when you're starting to shovel up the the stuff that's left you just move on to the next barrel like just do another virtual console just why why not yeah i mean stop stop cock teasing us with these metroid announcements and give us zero mission and give us fusion on a game boy advance switch online please nintendo thank you i i was so annoyed when they did that <laughs> when they were just like here oh, are these games play, that you can't play rest- on any of our current consoles play the rest of the series right now no you can play episodes one and three of the series right now 
get fucked. <laughs> but not even the good version of one, the original version of one. Oh yeah, if you could play Zero Mission, if you could play Zero Mission and Fusion, and also they did something with Samus Returns, I don't know, brought Samus Returns to the Switch, it's fucking possible. Like, yeah. That then they could get away with a play the rest of the history before Metroid Dread comes out. No, you can't get away with that right now. I'm even willing to give them a bit of a pass on Samus Returns because it's on the 3DS, which, yes, it's been discontinued, but there's fucking millions of them out there. Mm. And you can you still buy can... it on the eShop. But Zero Mission and Fusion, unless you're one of the 20 people that bought a Wii U, or you happen to have a Game Boy Advance lying around. Or you just happen you just... to buy a 3DS right at the beginning of its fucking life. In which case you can play... Fusion. Fusion, but not Zero Mission. Nope, because they're not that kind. I mean, I do um, have a you're Wii U just chilling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got one as well, just chilling. So you uh, two can play the history of Metroid. <laughs> I mean, that was a given anyway, right? Like, nobody is surprised that I own at least one copy of most of the main entries in, in the Metroid franchise. <laughs> oh, I would not be surprised if I was... Like, I, I wouldn't... I would not have been surprised when I came down to visit you last if you would have still had your Wii U with Fusion and Zero Mission still on it, just still hooked up. Wait. I would not have been surprised at all. Wait, Mark, you're a Metroid fan? I know. It's, I didn't know. It's surprising. I <laughs> don't talk about it much. I don't talk about it much. Um, I like that we've managed to turn this right round into a discussion about Metroid. I'm not- <laughs> um, Obviously it was going to happen. <laughs> So moving on from the Switch Online then, our friends at Ubisoft, our lovely, lovely friends at Ubisoft, they definitely had some things happen the last couple of weeks. Last couple of years. Decades. Well, I mean, (laughs) we've covered a lot of that already, so I I think we probably need to focus on specifically the things that have come out in the last two weeks. Basically, Ubisoft is going to Ubisoft. Yep. Um, well, like, the first two things that have come out about Ubisoft in the last couple of weeks are actually related to decades' worth of abuse of executives and higher-ups in the company of the workforce. So, it's tangentially related. I know we've covered it before, but it is related. So, obviously, the two big ones, really, aren't they, is the the, the, the company... Um, published a universal registration document which highlighted potential risks that the company could face and they in this document just stumbled across the fact that they're at high risk of losing key employees funny that for a company that clearly doesn't give a fuck about its employees hmm strange who would have thought yeah who the fuck would have thought what an obscure fucking thing could have happened to ubisoft and then the other one is the lawsuit that's being leveled against them which is delicious so tell us a little bit more about this lawsuit then um okay so it's um it's the it's from the french union um and i really hope i pronounce this right uh solidaire informatique um and they have i'm gonna say i'm gonna say yes you you pronounce that perfectly Mm. Nailed it. Merci. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they have filed a collective action lawsuit against Ubisoft um, 
alleging that there is institutional sexual harassment, which has been leveled against Ubisoft before, um, but have also said that not only did it um, put in place and kind of maintain this system, um, they also, and this was the most delicious thing to come out of this in terms of a sentence about this issue, was they the reason why... Or the, the, what they basically put forward that the reason why this is the case, why Ubisoft has put this into place and maintained it for so long, this system of sexual harassment um, being tolerated, pushed aside, and ignored, is because, and this is a direct quote here, because it is more profitable for the company to keep harassers in place than to protect its employees. Wow. That is. That is damning. If that is a ever... statement and a half. Mm. Um, and as we've covered previously in the podcast, and as I've had conversations with Corey about, actually on streams with Corey, I believe we've had this discussion. Unless you get the higher ups out of that fucking company, just burn them the fuck out. It's going to stay this way. Well, and Nothing I love. I love the fact that this lawsuit actually names basically every higher up at Ubisoft. Like, mm -hmm. um, they, they're they targeting the higher ups in this lawsuit, which is exactly what needs to happen in this situation. Is Guillermo needs to get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, right. Because him and his son are quite high up. Because he's the CEO, isn't he? If I'm not mistaken, Yves Gimo. Yeah, I thought his um, son left. I think he's... No, I'm pretty sure his son was still there because his son was working on Tom Clancy Elite Squad, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> spoiler, um, it's closing down. Yeah, spoiler. Which is, what a fucking shock. But, um, I mean, he might be gone. If so, good. But Eve is still there. So nothing's changed, really. Yeah, I, I, I thought I read something about him leaving Ubisoft, but I don't quite remember. Um, yeah, he left um, Ubisoft in May. Okay, so quite recently then. Yeah. And without him there to protect his baby, Tom Clancy Elite Squad closes down. I... Boo-hoo. Boo I mean, I know we move it at, at like... Obviously, let's quickly cover this here before returning to the lawsuit thing. But I am saddened at the loss of a mobile game, for one, and for two, a mobile game that utilised Black Lives Matter iconography to denote the terrorist organisation antagonists of the game. So, Oh my God, I forgot what a loss for artistic expression Tom Clancy's Elite Squad is. I well, forgot I all about that. But it's okay. okay. Ubisoft got rid of one free-to-play whatever and announced another but one. But it was so probably more profitable to leave it in, right? <laughs> what, the BLM thing? Well, it seems to be a common thing that Ubisoft keep in the things that would inconvenience them because it keeps them money. Um, no. They so, removed the BLM thing um, because of like high pushback from 
consumers or not even from consumers because the game wasn't even out yet they remo- they removed it for basically due to social media outrage yeah which is good because like they uh, they released that trailer like in the midst of the highest the the, the highest in terms of kind of social kind of blanketing i guess of the blm movement like mm-hmm. there was there, there were perpetual protests in america there were protests in the uk there were protests worldwide and then they released this trailer using a symbol which to be fucking honest there's no way they didn't know what that meant the raised fist motif has been the symbol of the black lives matter movement for decades there's no fucking way there is no way in hell they didn't know no way not possible um and yeah and so good good it was removed and also good this game is closing down because firstly it looked like a piece of shit anyway secondly it was um from ubisoft so it deserves it and thirdly yeah it's 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 another Tom Clancy game, and to be honest, that there's or, there's already enough of those. Yeah, there's enough right? of those. Oh yeah. Um, but I think we can all agree that the lawsuit is great. <laughs> it's a, it, this is a good thing that's been filed against Ubisoft. Um. So yeah, we'll see what comes of that. I really hope something does, though. That's the concern I have because. All you need to do is look like there's there's been similar lawsuits against Quantic Dream um, and other developers in the past, and they've never come to anything. Um, so something something has to fucking stick about this because Ubisoft have like it's it's we've covered this in previous podcasts, but this is years upon years of sexual harassment claims against higher ups in Ubisoft, and nothing's ever changed. So something has to give, something has to change. Absolutely. It really needs to. Ah. And the thing is, like the, the, the threat of them losing staff um, report, that's already turning into things because another, the art director from Assassin's Creed left Ubisoft recently as well. <laughs> um, my God. Who, who's been there for something like 12 or 16 years? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, on its own, you'd be like, okay, fair enough. He's been there like sixteen years. Time to move on. But when you when you put it into the context of a lot of other high profile exits from the company, you're like, oh, actually, this is not looking good. That yeah, they're high profile exits that just happened to have just happened to happen at the moment. Ubisoft cited its so-called investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm. It looks kind of fishy. Yeah, and even if it's not because of that, it's like I'm. I, I, I've I've said this multiple times to multiple people over the years, and I still stand by this. I do not believe in coincidence. Um, I just don't. It's just not something I believe in. And this many high-profile people leaving Ubisoft. It, there's something suspect there. There has to be. It, it, um, scre- it screams yeah. either they did something or they're sick of the bullshit. Mm. It's 
basically, it has to be one or the other almost. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but... Like in the majority of cases, it probably is one or the other. Yes, there probably are one or two that have left because it was the right time for them to leave. But that many, so close together, that that's a pan. Yeah. I mean, it, like, we we have to state obviously for the record that most of them have said upon leaving, especially the most recent one, uh, Raphael Lacoste, has said that. I haven't mentioned any of the controversies with Ubisoft. They've just simply said they're leaving for a new challenge. But that that sort of statement doesn't really hold weight when all of the people, the high-profile people that have left, have worked on Assassin's Creed for a decade or more. Like, why would you leave now? It just seems the timing's way too way too suspect for me. Especially since the head of Assassin's Creed got ousted. Um, a while back, like the, well, for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it was the game's director got, um, resigned, I use air quotes for that, um, from Ubisoft because news came out that he sexually harassed and used his power, um, and who he was to sleep with fans and all kinds of just gross bullshit. Oh, I knew coming into this I was going to feel so uncomfortable. But this needs to be talked about, because otherwise they get away with it. Um, oh, it disgusts me some of the shit people get away with in this industry. Um, so... Mm. So to watch like everybody, uh, all to watch all these higher up Assassin's Creed people leaving after the game director got ousted as being a disgusting piece of shit, it kind of says a lot in this situation. Yep, couldn't agree more. Um. And also, let's not forget, Assassin's Creed is going down the shitter anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Assassin's the, Creed uh, Infinity. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Infinity. So this was recently announced by Ubisoft, potentially as a distraction, um, that the next uh, Assassin's Creed game, uh, also potentially going to be, you know, the last Assassin's Creed game because it's turning into a game as a service, and therefore will just be indefinitely updated for the rest of time and we know Reuben you're a big fan of games as a service as a Fortnite streamer I can't oh, believe no. you came I, I can't believe you came for me <laughs> I can't I, I, yeah I, I cannot believe you would do this to me um, no I could not give a fuck about this game I don't like Assassin's Creed. I mean, have you Creed ever given a anyway. fuck about any Assassin's Creed games? No. Um, I don't like Assassin's Creed anyway. So, like, to be fair, seeing a, seeing a, um, seeing a headline that said, new Assassin's Creed will be called Assassin's Creed Infinity and it will be a games as a service, that headline was enough for me to go, nah, no thanks. I mean, I have to admit, I did like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I really enjoyed that game. 
as much as I talk shit about Ubisoft, sometimes I've just gotta say that I, I did enjoy that game. But overall, I did also enjoy it for the first, I don't know, like 15, 20 hours. 20 hours I played <laughs> it, and then it appeared to me that every hour for the remaining 80 hours after that would be exactly the same. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I hit Athens and I was like, okay, that's all I wanted. I wanted to see, I wanted to see Athens. I wanted to see what it looked like in the game. And after that, I was like, I'm done. Haven't played it since. Explored that, t- uh, explored that city. And I was like, okay, over it. Don't need to play anymore because it goes on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, I've got, I've got this far. And then I looked at the map and I'm like, I've uncovered like 5% of this map. I cannot be fucked with this anymore. But isn't that most Ubisoft games? Like no, Ubisoft, no. Yeah. I mean, this is like on another level, though. It's yeah. ridiculous. Odyssey was too big. And from what I understand, they made Valhalla a little smaller. But as not far really. as Assassin's Creed goes, like, not only is it the fact that it's Ubisoft is the maker... But after playing Odyssey, I was like, I can't. These games just go on forever. And these quests, it's literally like, sometimes I don't mind it, but these quests are literally, well, here's a checklist. Go do all of this. And it really, it doesn't really set you up to explore as much as I like in my open world games. Like, it's basically just go here, go here, go here, go here, go here. And then move on. That being said, I, I, I did play a Assassin's. I have played one Assassin's Creed game. Which one? Which was, which was the third one. Okay. Which? That, that's the which, American Revolution? Yes, it is the American Revolution. And the reason why I played it is because being from, being from the UK, I know pretty much shit all about the American Revolution. But I do know on that occasion, and obviously in many occasions since and before... The American Revolution was based somewhat on the British being bastards. So I love seeing the British be bastards and get their comeuppance. It's one of my favorite things. So the uh, the American Revolution, for me, I was just like, you know what? I know nothing about this period of time, but I'm interested to know something about this period of time. And I know that Assassin's Creed prides itself somewhat on being realistic to the history and the timeline of how things occur even if they mess with certain minutiae of those things i know that's one of the things the series used to pride itself on before it just went you know what let's just make it bigger um which is the recent assassin's creed thing but like As i can i completed that game out of fucking spite because it is the same fucking shit over and over and over again for 60 hours and i was like i, f- I finished it because i was just like i cannot have this game in my backlog anymore it has to go. And Mark, you know full well, because I've had a conversation with you about another game where I did exactly the same thing. And you know which game it is. <laughs> I remember the conversation, but I cannot remember what it was. It was Breath of the Wild. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, your favourite. Okay. <laughs> I am finishing this out of spite. Uh, <laughs> 
That's a rabbit hole we can't go down. <laughs> no, but, no, this is not a discussion we want to get into with Ruben right now. Um, but I Ruben. mean, finishing a game out of spite is one of the most Ruben things I've ever heard. It it, it is such a me thing. <laughs> as your to- as one of the few token Americans here, if you want to know about the American Revolution, honey, I got you. <laughs> we okay. have it crammed down our throat. I from wish the I moment knew you we're then. born. I wish I knew you then instead of having to suffer through Assassin's Creed 3. <laughs> I mean, you probably could have just read a book or a Wikipedia article. I could have done. Like, I feel like that would have been less suffering. Or watch a really bad Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. Isn't that any Mel Gibson movie? <laughs> Fair point. Well, uh, moving on. <laughs> the opinions today. Uh, so... Square Enix a few weeks ago announced the Final Fantasy 1 to 6 pixel remasters for mobile platforms and Steam. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, announced that they'll consider bringing it to console if there's enough demand. Get fucked, um, Square. <laughs> um, good God. What? Do, first of all, what does that even mean? What do they want from demand? Do they want these mobile ports to sell in order to bring them to console? Because if people are buying them everywhere else, that's... they're not going to buy them for the consoles. I've yeah. already bought this shit once. I'm not buying. Well, I mean, I would imagine I would. people have bought the Final Fantasy one to sixes multiple times on multiple different platforms. But that's beside the beside the point. Um, <laughs> Cool, he's just pointing at himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to this is. Also, does it, does it just mean they want enough people shouting about it on Twitter, or does it? Do they want a petition? I well, if that's the case, does Square Enix even get on Twitter because people have been shouting about it on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, people from the moment that fucking trailer aired have not been happy. About that. Well, basically, and since the Switch's release, people have been begging for Square to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Switch is definitely the perfect place for these pixel remasters, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, it'll be nice if they're on Xbox and PlayStation as well, but I feel like, as a kind of natural fit, that the Switch is, you know, the ideal location for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's two there's two things I want to bring up with this particular piece of news. Firstly, the Pixel remasters, at time of recording, and in Great British Pounds, are fifty five pounds for the bundle for six. You can get to you can you can get to fuck with that price. Firstly, Square Enix, literally, sit on it, like fuck off. Secondly. I've been burned by the if there's demand fucking bullshit before. And to fucking hell if I'm going to be burned by it again. Because I remember it was a few years back that um, they released... um, I don't know whether anyone remembers this. uh, But they released a combined package of two Darkstalkers games on PlayStation Network for PS3. With And this was Capcom, Mm -hmm. by the way. Not Square Enix, but same philosophy and when they released this kind of hd 
ish package of these two Darkstalkers games, they said that they were met using that to see if there was demand for a new Darkstalkers game. And, and no matter how much that sold, there was never any fucking chance of there being a, of that paying off. And it's the same here. If they were honestly committed to putting them on consoles, they would have fucking done it to begin with. They don't care. They don't. And fucked if I'm giving Square Enix. I mean, there's there's no way that they're surprised by the demand for people to put these console games on a console, right? Like these remastered, rebuilt versions of the game that haven't been available anywhere else and aren't available anywhere else. They're not suddenly going, oh... Oh, people want this on a console? What? Mm. Well, it's also the same as... <clears throat> excuse me. It's also the same as when... Um, when Atlas was like, Oh yeah, we'll put Persona 5 on the Switch if there's enough demand for it. Are you all paying attention to what gets talked about? Hmm. And how do you prove... Like, it's one of those things that... They can get away with it because it's impossible to prove. Yeah, or disprove. Like, okay. yeah... Yeah, disprove, prove, disprove, whatever. Well, both. It's, it's impossible on both sides of that coin. So if they do it, they're like, there was enough demand. And if they don't do it, they go, well, there wasn't enough demand. And you're like, well, okay, what, what metrics were you using to measure this demand? Mm-hmm. Was it that you didn't have enough people send a self-addressed envelope to a specific address that you didn't tell anybody about? That was straight back to the 90s. And <laughs> you know the thing, the thing which annoys me most about this, this Pixel Remaster thing, is there's been news that's come out recently about the Pixel remasters that they've actually got Nobuo Uematsu back in to reorchestrate to rearrange the music for all the six all the six games. I'm so fucking annoyed. <laughs> and, and they had, they brought the original art designer or art director back too. Yeah, to, to, to redraw to redraw the sprites. The, the mm-hmm. redraw the sprites. Like the, the thing is, they've put effort into this, and yet they are. Only bringing it to mobile. But they fucked up the font. And Steam. Like, what the fuck? What? It's, it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's, the same, it's the same thought process I have every single time that Nintendo do a direct and don't announce Metroid Prime trilogy. Like, <laughs> do you not want money? Is money not a thing that you need in your life as a company? Like, release the thing... You get the money. That's how it works in capitalism. <laughs> but apparently, it sat right there, ready to be released. Whenever, whenever Nintendo deign to give it to us, it's ready. Supposedly, um, that's that's mentioned number two for Metroid this week as well. <laughs> we're, we're on a roll. Um, so, for the past, I don't know, sort of five or six years, there's, there's been this ongoing uh, debate about what is going to be the Netflix of video games. And it turns out that Netflix is, in fact, going to be the Netflix of video games as they are going to enter the mobile games market. I am sceptically intrigued as to what this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, my gut feel at the moment is that this is going to be a way for them to tie video games into their own properties, right? That's kind I mean, of um, where I'm leaning with it. Um, but 
Like they won, I don't know, a Stranger Things video game. I know there technically was one, I think, but yes. a Stranger Things video game. But that they can control and they can publish and they can put out on their schedule and they can control everything, you know. And you know, it's the same with a number of other Netflix's own properties, you know. So my question for this is: This going to be like like an Apple Arcade type thing? I wonder. Like right now, they're saying that. It's not going to change their subscription or anything. But if this becomes anywhere if it becomes near huge, anything, yeah. you know they're going to be like, actually, we're going to take this off and charge fuck all for it. Yeah, of course they will. Yeah. And, you know, if they want to do that, fine. I'm not, I'm not paying my Netflix subscription for video games anyway. So if they decide to spin it off into a, a separate subscription... Um, fine because if it's as long as it's not increasing my netflix streaming subscription great and if i want it then i'll pay for it it's fine i mean i, I don't I, I don't necessarily have an issue with that particularly also i wonder how curated it's going to be is it just going to be netflix licensed bullshit or are they actually going to get like indie companies to make good games because i don't see them getting big named companies at least at first but i could see them maybe no especially especially as they plan on releasing these games as part of their existing subscription you know you're not going to get many triple a studios that are going to create a game exclusively to netflix exclusively yeah. for netflix for netflix to just give away basically to anyone with a subscription but i can see them courting indie developers yeah definitely and i think there could be some interesting things come out of that. I do have two concerns, though, I must admit. Firstly, it's the amount of subscription streaming services is becoming a bit... There's a bit too, there's a bit too many of them. I cancelled almost all of mine, and it's, like, saved me $100 a month. Like, there's a lot. See, that's insane. Um, so another, sub- so obviously it's included within the Netflix subscription for now, but they're a company. It's going to spin off into its own subscription. And then secondly, the other concern I have, which is just an ongoing concern I have about the video games industry in general, which isn't just isolated on Netflix, preservation. If these are unique games that are being brought out by Netflix, how are they going to be preserved? If, if at all. Even, I didn't even think about that part. Because, like, I've been thinking about video game preservation a lot recently. Uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter would have seen my despair tweet I did, I think, two days ago at time of recording, when I remembered that the Wii Shop channel closed down. Um, and oh, with you were it, very like, sad about the My Life as a King? Little King? Whatever it's called? Yeah, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, My Life as a King, which is one of That's the biggest it. fucking losses. Because I it's have gone that now. on my Wii U. But it's I gone have now. that on my Wii U. Like, as far as, like, new people being able to play it on a new console, on, on, on newer consoles, or, you know, being able to get it on Steam, it's not possible. It's gone. As far as, if you didn't already have it, it's now gone. And that's... And that's the concern I have with the Netflix thing as well, and with Stadia... And with things like that, well, Stadia's not having games made for it. Anyway. <laughs> but 
um, not unique yeah, that's games a, that's anyway. Concern, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how dare I be concerned about Stadia? Um, but yeah, it's it's just a, like this. The concern I have about the video games industry in general, and it is a wider concern, and I know it's shared by by quite a few people, is that as a medium, video games are not being preserved adequately. Um, so yeah, that's that's another concern. But otherwise, I'm in, just intrigued to see how this plays out. Also, if you never played that game, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, My Life as King, that game is a gem. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you missed it. That game is yeah, fantastic. You're not going to be able to play it ever again. So you could pirate. Sorry, <laughs> just saying. That's the only um, way to now. So there is an. There is an item here that I don't know a huge amount about, but there have been some changes to Fallout 76. I know nothing about it either. <laughs> nope. Um, I was sitting here looking over the article and Fallout 76, I tried it once way back when it first came out and I have not touched it since. Um, ah, so what this is, is that Fallout 76 is getting uh, private servers with full gameplay customization. Um, this is actually something I was I was going to touch upon with the uh, when we come to EA Play as well, actually. But I really like this idea that they are giving control of private servers to players of Fallout 76 and then basically just letting them tweak whatever variables they want to make whatever ridiculous or fun experience they want to make for themselves. That's a good idea. I mean, like, I... uh, Similarly, but not quite um, like Corey, I was very, very interested in Fallout 76. Um... But then the moment I started to see reviews land, and I'm one of those people that does listen to reviews. I'm entwined within the video game industry as a reviewer, so there are certain reviewers I trust the opinion of. And when I started to see the reviews, I was like, oh, this doesn't look good. So I chose not to pre-order it. And then when it came out and I saw the state it was in, I was like, no, 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 no. Dodged a fucking bullet there, didn't I? But what it they, seems they, like one of those things that has been fixed. Yeah, they put a lot of work into fixing it, though, and that you've got to. Well, I mean, firstly, they had to, they fucking had to, um, and secondly, it's it's good that they did, really, because it means they've got to the point that you can do things like this where they're giving more creative control to the players. So yeah, from what I understand, they kind of realm reborned it, like brought it back from the dead. Not quite as successfully. <laughs> not quite as successfully or quite to the level of like scrapping the whole thing and starting again from scratch. But it does seem like they have brought this back into something that people actually want to play now. Um, yeah. And, you know, fair play to them that they've managed to do that. And they actually did do it for the people that had, you know, spent good money on it. Well, just like, just like Square Enix, though, they kind of didn't have a choice. You put one of your biggest names on something, you've got to either fix it or take a hit to the brand. brand. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, Konami. They, they, they exist. 
they exist. <laughs> Apparently, they don't make games anymore. Um, PES, Pro Evolution Soccer, is now becoming a live service eFootball game. I still can't believe they've called it eFootball. <laughs> the moment I heard that name, I was like... That's going to confuse so many Americans, right? It should be eSoccer. Or, like... <laughs> it just... From a business and brand management perspective, it makes zero sense. No. Who the fuck's heard of eFootball? But not only that, like... E-football, not only do you then isolate it to a very particular... You, you isolate out quite a lot of the people that would play your game. Because, as you quite rightly said, Americans don't call it football. Secondly, you've got an incredibly strong brand name there that's existed for decades. Pro Evolution Soccer. Why not just call it Pro, Pro Evolution Soccer Live and then just have that as the name? Uh, my understanding, and this is not a great reasoning for it, is because it's already called something different in Japan, right? And so they have chosen a new name that they can use globally. Yeah, because there was PES in the West and Winning Eleven in Japan. Yeah. But I feel like maybe they should have just picked one of the two existing names and kept it. <laughs> or maybe subtitled it. Called it Pro Evolution Soccer Winning Eleven. Works worldwide then. Just, it, yeah. I just, I don't. Like, I, I obviously, I'm not going to play this game. No, that, no. That sh that I have no interest yeah. in a football Zero soccer interest game. Whatsoever. But, like, the name is just baffling. To, I cannot get my head around th th that name. But they are doing that thing that we've joked about. Uh, I say we, I sort of, as a as a gaming community, have joked about with EA and every FIFA basically just being a patch of the previous one with the new seasons, and that does seem to be exactly what they are doing. Oh yeah, they just turn this into a live service where they basically just patch it each year with some new features and the new uh, team rosters. Which realistically, like if we think if if we think if we're thinking about this realistically and not shitting on Konami for once, this what? is I know I, I I'm sorry I didn't ask anyone to agree with that uh, before we started. Um, it's it is the most economical decision. Yeah, it's the most economically sound decision to make the, because because the, the, the question the question though is around how they monetize it. Oh, they're going to do shit with that. You know they are. I mean, they... Um, you know they're going to bring in their version because, obviously, Pro Evolution Soccer does have one. Their version of FIFA Ultimate Team. They're, you know that's going to be in there. You know it's going to be heavily monetized because it's a free-to-play game. And it's fucking Konami. Like, they are going to bleed this stone for all they can get because it's the last vestiges of fucking creativity that company has. We didn't stop shitting on Konami for very long. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you just know it's going to be monetized to shit. It's, it, you, you just know. Uh, well, from, from... I mean, we are just going from, from hit to hit in terms, of, uh, in terms of just great companies, this podcast. EA, 
They had their EA Play 2021 presentation. And who uh, cared? <laughs> well, a lot of people were very excited about the Dead Space remake. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of excited about that. Cautiously, I am also kind of excited Cautiously excited. Because cautiously you excited. understand that this is EA we're talking about. But I am not giving them... I am not giving EA the time of day or the benefit of doubt when it comes to Dead Space. I am not having them playing fucking marionette with that corpse. No. No, 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 no. You drove that fucking... I, I said this in the last podcast, and I'll say it fucking again. You, EA, drove that series into the grave. You are not allowed to drag it back out now Well, it I mean, you. unfortunately, Ruben, I think you're wrong because they own it. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately, they can do what the fuck they want with it. I know they can, but fucked if I'm going to support that motion. Like I love even Death if Space. they even if they release a really fucking amazing remake. And also on the plus side, they said no microtransactions. I don't believe that for a second. They said that about multiple games they've released and then patched in microtransactions after the release. So no, fuck you, EA. I don't believe you. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. The amount of they have released so many games in which they said there will be no tra- microtransactions in this game and then added them in after release. No, I do not believe you. But Lost in Random looks fun. Yeah, Lost in Random <laughs> looks interesting. I mean, what I was about to say then was um, they haven't done that to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and I can't see that it makes any sense to add microtransactions into any single-player-only game. And you I would that. imagine that Dead Space would be a single-player-only game. You say that now, next week we'll get an announcement that Jedi Fallen Order is getting microtransactions. Well, wow. <laughs> Yeah, two years after release, they'll do it. Um, yeah, Lost in Random looks interesting, though. As it does. The, the, the thing that I couldn't help but feel, though, is when I was watching that trailer, it looks very fucking Nightmare Before Tim Christmas. Burton. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, has Tim Nightmare Burton's aesthetic Christmas. stamp all the fuck over it. But I couldn't help but think that I preferred the aesthetic in the intro cutscene, that kind of cartoony style they had, than the 3D modelled style they had in the actual gameplay. Because mm-hmm. I saw that cartoony style and I was just like, oh, I am very fucking into this. I could play a game of this. And then it went into that 3D style and I was like, I'm less interested in this. It still looks fun, but... Yeah, I... The thing I'm, I'm feeling like it's a bit of a missed opportunity because from from what I could gather from the trailer is that the story revolves around this queen who makes lots of decisions based on the role of the dice. But from the story perspective, that's all fixed. Like I could imagine a much more interesting game where literally everything that happens story-wise is to some extent randomized by actual rolls of the dice rather than it just being the combat mark we do not need rng the game (laughs) so kind of like so kind of like a butterfly effect sort of thing 
yeah so like so like you reach the first story point you roll a dice uh, you, you roll a dice and that dice only has six sides of course so there's one of six possible options yeah because some of them but it does seem, later. and because that's like the premise of the game but it seems like the rolls of the dice that actually affect the story are fixed by the story and it just seems like a bit of a missed opportunity based on the whole premise of the game mm. i agree with that it looks interesting though. It's the only thing. It's the only thing I came away from this EA play going. Mm, okay, um, I absolutely love the aesthetic. That's it. Like, I don't know much about this game, but I love the aesthetic of it. I'm a huge Tim Burton fan, so if you hit that note, I'm all the way there. I knew we got on for a reason. <sighs> yep, big Tim Burton fan. The only other thing I wanted to mention about EA Play, and this is not something that I would normally talk about, but Battlefield 2042. So as part of the presentation, they announced Portal Mode, which links back to the changes that we were talking about on Fallout 76, whereby they're giving players the opportunity to basically just fuck with all of the rules of their multiplayer game and come up with whatever they want in a really kind of... uh, really simple graphical way um and it's something that while i'm not necessarily interested in it in battlefield 2042 it's the kind of thing i'd love to see more of in other kinds of games like imagine being able to do something like that in uh in left for dead for example um where you can like control to a really fine degree how many zombies you get the types of weapons you get the the randomization of the levels all that kind of, you know i think that would make for a really interesting experience and i think it's uh something that'd be really cool to see in in a wider range of games and most importantly that just massively increases the longevity oh yeah exactly yeah because like you and you, you myself and um uh, and gavin james we've got a lot of time out of left for dead <laughs> Yes. Um, but if there was an opportunity to make it so that game could be more randomized so we wouldn't know what we were dealing with, I reckon that, yeah, it would massively even increase the longevity beyond that, which is why I'm looking forward to Back for Blood, because it has an element of that randomization to it. With the card system, yeah. Yeah. So but, uh, if for anyone listening, you can hit the Back for Blood mention on these podcasts i think it's happened in every single one for the last yeah back for blood seven there's your your card for that one we've had the metroid one we've had breath Um, Breath of the breath of the wild mentioned and ubisoft reuben's best friend mentioned yet but you know there's always time um so unless anybody else has anything else to add about ea play 2021 Wait, Mike, you mean Jeff Keighley wasn't announced as a Knockout City character? No, no, he wasn't announced as a Knockout City character, nor is he the new Apex Legend (laughs) character. (laughs) I will talk about either of those two things, but I know nothing about either of those two Neither do I. I mean, Knockout City looks really good. Like, I've been tempted to try it a few times. It's on Game Pass. I know most people who have played it have said really good things about it. I just I don't have the time. <laughs> See that's what's and got if I me. wanted to, if I wanted to play a game like that, honestly, I'll just play Splatoon. See that's that's, ex- that's the exact reason that stopped me because I was very interested in Knockout City as well. But the thing is, I play Fortnite. Um, 
I am slowly but surely getting into Dead by Daylight, very slowly. Uh, in bad. that, in that, at this point, I hate it. Um, <laughs> As opposed to fucking hating it, like I do. <laughs> um, and obviously, I play Final Fantasy fourteen. So, in terms of games that don't end, I'm kind of covered. <laughs> I don't need another game that doesn't end to add on top of that list. So. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, um, the other kind of bit of news in our quickfire news section that I wanted to talk about, and this, I know, uh, I know, Corey, you're going to have a lot to say about this. I know, Ruben, you're going to have a lot to say about this. I'm just really fucking disappointed by this bit of news, um, and this is the fact that Blizzard, in particular, are just shitbags. And I say that I'm really disappointed because Blizzard over the years have made some of my favourite games. You know, I think it's no surprise that I really loved Diablo 3. I grew up playing Warcraft and Warcraft 2 and Starcraft, Starcraft 2, all these amazing games. And now this company is just fucking awful. And I spent the last two days... Not being angry, but almost like sad. Just really sad. Yeah. Like it's like something has died and I've gone, oh. And I don't even have the energy to be angry about it because I'm just really sad about it. I agree, Mark. Um I also kind of grew up with Blizzard games. Like when I was growing up, I was a big fan of like the original Warcraft, like Warcraft 1, 2, and 3, and Starcraft 1 and 2, and just to feel that disappointment from this company that you grew up being such a big fan and to watch them fall from grace is a, is a really rough thing to do. And it also made me feel sad. Because you just you expected so much better from them. Hmm. Yeah, I think despite the Activision buyout or merge with Blizzard, you know, they always seemed mostly to be kind of separate and immune to the effects of Activision. But this is clearly something that's endemic to Blizzard's culture entirely separately yeah. of Activision. Yeah, like I was, I, I was literally just going to chime in and say that I've had, I, I literally had a similar thing when it came to Ubisoft because I grew up with all of Ubisoft's games when I was a lot younger, like the early Rayman games and things like that. And then, yeah, obviously all the Ubisoft things came out, and it's, um, I mean, I'm somewhat quick to anger. That is one of my traits. So. Um, my my scope of sadness when it came to <laughs> we, I mean we hadn't noticed I'm surprised um but like um you quick to anger no <laughs> shh nobody knows my secrets um but yeah I did have that initial part of sadness with Ubisoft where I was like oh shit like this thing that I held in such high regard when I was a kid is just full of complete dickheads yeah, and um, 
I guess my hope really is that they ultimately, you know, respond better to this than Ubisoft have. What, so not ignoring it? (laughs) Yeah, by basically not ignoring it. And, you know, the higher-ups have made the usual bullshit claims, unfortunately. But, and I think perhaps in some level of difference to Ubisoft, it seems like there is a much stronger pushback against this at the like the, the the sort of developer level of of the company and it seems like you know there's a there's a lot more pushback uh from people at that level so you know that might just force the hand a little bit and we could only hope when it's it's like it it's it's mind-blowing to me that first of all it kind of took this long for it to blow up on Activision and Blizzard. Like, the state of California did a, what, two-year two year investigation on this? Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that it sounds like they've been a shit company for decades... Like, at least a decade at this point. The fact that it took this long for it to finally blow up, especially with everything that's been um, going on in the gaming industry recently, I'm shocked that it took this long. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, just for the benefit, if anyone hasn't heard about this, uh, to give it to, to give you some context, we're not going to go into the, the finer more horrific details on this um if you are interested in that and want to look more into it we will post the bloomberg news article underneath the tweet of this being put out and also on the discord channel as well um but to to kind of give you a basic overview um the california department of fair employment and housing um have filed a lawsuit against activision blizzard um, with the accusation, the, uh, the the thrust of the lawsuit being that the company fosters a frat boy culture in which female employees are subjected to sexual harassment, unequal pay and retaliation. And they go on to say that the company leadership in Activision Blizzard has consistently failed to take steps to prevent these things from happening. And... The more that's come out about this news story, the worse it's got. And that the, there's obviously been, well, not obviously, but there's been elements involving racism that have come out with this, where if you're black and a woman, you're even more subject to these things, which, fuck's sake, Activision Blizzard. Um, but it's just a harrowing story to have read. I mean, the Ubisoft thing was bad, but this is... That the, the, the Quantic Dream thing was bad. The Riot Game things was bad. These have all been horrific incidents, but the sheer brutality of this lawsuit is harrowing. When and you got you've got the higher ups saying 
two different sides of this story. Like you got the higher up, the president of Blizzard saying that um, he doesn't condone this type of he doesn't condone this type of atmosphere. And he works he works hard to um, make sure that Blizzard is a safe and safe and respectable place to work and you know just a bunch of pr bullshit and meanwhile um on the activision side they sit there and they're like this lawsuit is abhorrent and it's it's not truthful to who activision who activision blizzard is as a company and you know you got both sides of the same company trying to shout out like trying to PR speak two different things. Granted, they were internal emails that said this, but it's still PR bullshit, but two different sides of PR bullshit. I don't know. You could, like, there could be an argument made for it being the same side. They're both ignoring the issue. They're both ignoring the people speaking out. They're just, one of them's being a little bit more forceful about it, and the other one's being a little bit more cloak and dagger about it. Um, because because that's what they're doing. They're both ignoring the issue. Um, it's just as to, because like the, like the president of Blizzard is a shifty, suspicious cunt anyway, if you excuse the term. Because every single time he's carted out to do some sort of HR thing, he is, he's fucking lying every time. And his body language gives it away so fucking hard. Um, Ruben, I just have to say, I love the fact that you apologize for saying the word cunt. Like it's not in your everyday vocabulary. I mean, it is in my everyday vocabulary, but we, <laughs> but we have, we have someone from the, for, from, the US in, i.e. you, and I am sensitive to the fact that that word holds a significant more, a, a significantly higher amount of weight out there than it does here. I mean, if you don't, if you want me to just drop all and just go with it, then I will. But I was just being a little bit more sensitive to the guest we have. Oh, you know, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, had to had to comment on that real quick. <laughs> but um, I mean, to, to to also to jump back to something that Mark was saying earlier, there has been pushback on this, and not just from a developer level. It like because Switch Player Magazine, uh, Game Explain, Prima, the Prima Games. There's been various outlets now that are refusing or have supposedly will be refusing to cover Activision Blizzard and Ubisoft games. I mean, the Ubisoft thing, congratulations, games media, you've caught up several fucking months late. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Would honestly give the British like transport system a fucking run for their money in terms of delays, but you got there. Congrats. But just stick to this. And also, the bigger ones need to get involved. Otherwise, nothing... Like, the only thing that's going to change... That, that There's only two things that will change this. One, the top brass being burned the fuck out of this industry, because that's what we need. And two, it hit in the bottom line. Only if these companies are hit financially are they going to make any sort of change. Because they only care about mm-hmm. money. Yeah. yeah, and it's like 
you need the IGNs and the Euro gamers and the um like Kotaku's and everything. You need them to step up and make this move as well. Because as nice as it is to see these smaller outlets doing it, it's sadly it's not going to make too much of a difference to especially a company as big as Activision Blizzard. It's not going to make too much of a difference if smaller, com- n- more niche um, news outlets, gaming news outlets, boycott them. You need the big names to do it to make any kind of dent. And, but I think it also really needs some tangible output from this uh, lawsuit from the Californian government because otherwise you'll just get the spin-off well they you know they didn't find us guilty therefore there's nothing wrong and then they just you know continue to keep doing what they're doing the the riot games defense yeah and and that kind of leads into like all these um defenders that are in like comment sections and all of this other shit saying, well, it's all hearsay and it's all, it's all, um, I can't think of the word right now, but basically it's all hearsay. Like there's no proof. There's no anything. You, you, you cannot tell me that the state of California after two years investigating did not find proof of this happening. Like, tangible proof and not just he said he said she said yeah they're not going to raise a lawsuit now after two years of investigation if they don't have any evidence that's not (laughs) how these things work i mean like even if even if let's let's just say worst case scenario well worst case scenario for us i.e normal fucking people or best case scenario for gamers tm i.e the worst possible people um (laughs) capital g yeah capital g gamers like let's just say some of the claims in this lawsuit do turn out to be spurious it's still two years worth of investigations there is going to be some proper tangible shit in that oh yeah yeah, sure maybe what's the phrase no smoke without fire right Mm. right maybe not everything led to something tangible but you can't tell me nothing, dude. No, it's just not possible. Um, and also, like, th- those defenders, they can all get fucked. Every single fucking one of them. Every single time I see, oh, it's just it, it, it's just what she said. No, fuck off. Because that just leads to victim blaming, yep. which also doesn't help shit. It's just, like... When it, whenever shit like this comes back up again, because we've had this, like, this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for a very long time in the video game industry, and it's just constantly ignored every fucking time. And it's just so tiring seeing this cycle happen constantly. And it's, what it is, is it, if for someone who's been, because I, as, as you both know, as everyone who listens to this knows, 
I am involved in the games industry because I review games, features, etc. So I'm a writer in the games industry. It feels like... It feels like Gamergate was so fucking long ago. Because in terms of, like, years, it technically was. Very little's fucking changed. And this is just that sort of shit occurring again and again and again because no one's held accountable accountable and nothing fucking changes no i think it's it's gonna take for somebody to be taken down and to be found accountable for change to happen unfortunately which hopefully this will be hopefully this will be the one yeah i mean it it needs you know the um god what was he the 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 movie executive that was jeffrey epstein weinstein yeah no, no weinstein yeah weinstein. you know the whole yeah sorry you know it it took something like that him to be taken down for anything to seemingly change i mean i don't know how much actually has changed but it does sound like you know he he was a big source of problems in the movie industry and you know eventually you know he he was taken down um, and it kind of yeah. feels like something like that needs to happen in the gaming industry for people to really actually make significant change. And honestly, you don't get much more high profile than Activision Blizzard. No. Yeah. True. They are, in terms of like, in terms of sheer profit, I'd say they're probably they're probably one of the biggest, aren't they? I mean, we all know. I know in the United. I know in the United States, they're the biggest third-party developer or publisher. And um, if I'm not mistaken, like you can't quote me on these figures, but also Bobby Kotick is one of the highest-paid CEOs in the U.S. as well. More than likely. Yeah, that would be particularly surprising. Bobby Kotick needs to be fired into the sun. Um, that's my two cents on it. But, like, the... Um, the thing is, we, we've seen, well, not much has changed from it, but as recently as a couple of months ago, we've seen governments intervene in the video game industry, like California is doing here with Activision Blizzard. And it has caused change of some description. Not enough, because last time was the obviously the, the US government getting involved with loot boxes. Um, and we saw, we've seen a decrease in loot boxes. They're still fucking there, but a change has occurred. What we need is, as as Marcus said, we need this to stick. This lawsuit needs to stick for some sort of movement on this. Especially, I think, on what could be a positive in all of this is the fact that mainstream media is also covering it. Yeah, because... One thing, I mean, you're right there because one of the things that um, a lot of gamers TM and normal gaming, that people who are into gaming don't seem to realise is that just because you've heard of it doesn't mean everyone has. Like, as much as our hobby in video games is becoming more and more widespread, gaming media, in terms of, like, news, is still only known really by us. It takes something like this for gaming to appear properly in the mass media. Yeah, yeah because mainstream media never picked up the Ubisoft 
side and things like that. So the fact that you got like the BB, the BBC and outlets like that actually talking about this now might lead to something, hopefully. We can but hope. We can, but I'm not going to hope too much. But I, I want like I, I, I don't understand the mindset of being involved in the games industry and loving video games and not wanting the industry to be the best it can be. And it can't be all the while this goes on. It just can't. It's just that those two things aren't that just won't work together. You can't have this behavior. You can't have this level of corruption and just all-round shitty, misogynistic, transphobic, racist, sexist shit and have a good industry. You just can't. These two things don't work together. Just to, you know, (laughs) hammer a point down, video games, they are not a boys club. Stop thinking they are. Stop acting like they are like everybody everybody should be able to enjoy video games should be able to make video games and be able to see themselves in video games like video games should be for everyone absolutely and as a final point on that fuck activision blizzard fuck ubisoft fuck quantic dream fuck riot games and fuck everyone who holds up the CEOs and the executives within these companies and allows them to continue get, getting away with the shitty fucking things they do. <laughs> Done. And with that, let's move on to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something a little bit more uh, upbeat. It's time for our Simply the Guest feature, where we are going to... Get to know Corey's gaming tastes just a little bit better. You're simply the guest. So, Corey, um, why don't you start by telling us about uh, your favourite game or game series? Well, anyone who knows me knows that my favorite series is Final Fantasy. And my favorite game of all time is Final Fantasy X. Um, Playing that game for the first time kind of changed. I mean, I was already a gamer. I grew up a gamer. Um, So, but playing that game for the first time, like, it kind of felt like it changed my life in a way. I never connected so deeply with a game. I never, like, Mm -hmm. got so involved. Like, that was the first game I ever put over 100 hours on. There's, like, your gaming life before Final Fantasy X and then your gaming life after Final Fantasy X. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, It's the only game I... Well, it's not the only game anymore. But at that time, it was the only game that I played 100 hours on one file. Like, I'm sure if you count all the times I've beaten the first Mario game or Super Mario Bros. 3, I'm sure it probably equaled out to over 100 hours. But this was one file, one playthrough. Like, I um, basically 100%ed the game. Like, it 
Oh God, I love that game so much. <laughs> I mean, that's such a such a good choice. God, I love also, game. it's really good to have someone not say Zelda there. <laughs> Zelda has been a very popular choice for that question over the over the past few episodes. I mean, Zelda's a close second, but I mean, Zelda's so good. But like, to just a like. Before Final Fantasy, uh, to, to, to just to echo your thoughts on Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X, like before I played that game, there had been video games I had played that had made me cry. Final Fantasy X, I was fucking inconsolable. That game oh God, destroyed me emotionally. I was not ready I... for a lot of that game. I cried like a baby won't even deny it every time i replay that game i still cry like a baby it's it's so well written emotionally such a good such a good game god i love that game well i can't comment particularly i think i've played about four hours of it mark get on that Game is so good. Uh, yeah, I just don't have the energy for it. <laughs> um, okay, so what is your dream game or your dream collaboration or crossover? So what I really want is, I know it's happened before, but... At the same time, I'd kind of love a sequel. I want um, Nintendo and Square to make a Super Mario RPG 2. Like, a modern one. And none of that Nintendo wannabe RPG bullshit. I'm talking about full-on Square Enix, like, we're going to do this turn-based correctly. If Square Enix can still do that, that is. Um, but that, that is what I want. That is what I want. Give it to me. That is a good shout. And that's one of the... Because Super Mario RPG, certainly in its original release, never found its way to the UK. It wasn't officially released in the UK until it hit the virtual console on the Wii, I think. That's so I think sad. that's right. Yeah. That's so sad. It's... Um, See, one thing we really can't deny, though, is like Square Soft, because that was their name, obviously, back then. They were on fucking fire in the SNES era, weren't they? <laughs> My oh, God. It was, the, it was the golden area. The golden era of Square, for sure. You're talking Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, Super Mario RPG. Like, Jesus, if those are not three of the best SNES games, if not some of the best games ever. Yeah. I mean, you can throw uh, Secret of Mana into that list as yeah. well. I, I well, to be too. fair, like, until... Until... Mm, I'd say until the PS1... This, this, uh, like... And I think even beating the PS1, the SNES was the fucking best console for JRPGs. Oh, yeah. Hands down. 
Because obviously, once you include, like, mana, you can include Breath of Fire as well on the snares. Um, I'm now really struggling to think about uh, Dragon Quest games but, on the snares as well. But also, let's be real, the best JRPG machine was whatever machine Square was developing for at that oh, time. Oh yeah, for sure. For fucking sure. Final Fantasy IX, thank you very much. Um, PS1, fucking golden <laughs> child. My heart will forever belong to Vivi. It's okay. <sighs> fucking sweetheart. So what is your uh, dream game series revival, Corey? What do you want to see brought back? Yet again, sticking with Square, because um, yet again, for those of you who know me, know there are two companies I stand, and that is Nintendo, hence my, you know, screen name, and Square. So, sticking with Square, I want them to bring the Chrono series back. Chrono Trigger is basically a perfect game um i love that game so much and chrono cross while definitely not as good as chrono trigger was still very good the music was beautiful the graphics at the time were gorgeous that opening that opening um cinematic while a little out there um it was gorgeous and I, I just really want them to bring the Chrono series back. I just, I just, I don't know how much faith I have in Modern Square because I've seen the way they've treated the Mana series. And I just don't want them to do that to Chrono. Well, I mean, that that's probably what you're going to get, though. I mean, they already <laughs> kind of did with the Steam release of Chrono Trigger, which, yeah, which they was royally mess. fucked. Um, yeah, like, there are, there are not many things that I would say, not many games that I would say that people have to play. Chrono Trigger, that needs to be on your list of games that you play. It is, I, it is, as, as Corey quite well put it, it is practically fucking flawless. And... And that's as a game generally. And if we're talking within its genre, just JRPGs, that game is the best JRPG of all time, in my opinion. And it's funny that you say that because I I basically agree with you. Yes, I understand. I said Final Fantasy X was my favorite game of all time. But Chrono Trigger is probably the best JRPG of all time. Favorite doesn't Don't ask me how that works out. But it's because well, I think that's you know that's perfectly fair. I mean, you can look at um, you, you know going back to the Legend of Zelda series. I think a lot of people would quite easily agree that Ocarina of Time, as a game in the series, has been surpassed by other Zelda games. But it's still a lot of people's favorite because of an emotional attachment to it, or you know that whole. Um, 
sort of nostalgic element that it has and you know you can you can accept that something is better than it but still have it as your favorite yeah best does not mean favorite um because best if if you're saying something is the best of anything you're attempting however successfully to put a level of object objectivity onto it because for Mm -hmm. instance i would say that the best final fantasy game is 10 in terms of mechanical, in terms of the perfect intersection between the new style of Final Fantasy and the old style of Final Fantasy, the pace of the story, the mini games, I'd say it's the best Final Fantasy on paper. Six is my favourite. Blitzball can get fucked. But even Blitzball has its enjoyment to it. <laughs> um, but but obviously then, even then, that's a personal thing. What I consider to be the best and what I consider to be my favourite are always going to be different things. So um, you can have, you, yeah, I mean, I would say, no, actually, I have nothing else to add. I don't know why I'm still talking. <laughs> I've made my point. Just that. So that was our Simply the Guest feature. Corey, is there anything you would like to uh, to promote or to how how can people find you on social media or streaming or? All right, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nintendori1988. You can also find me on Twitch at Nintendori1988, where I, for the most part, do a um, I stream weekly, and if you're a fan of this podcast. Um, I have the wonderful Ruben with me almost every Friday as we stream through some type of Souls-like game because, well, I need carried. So if you're a fan of this podcast, you can also find Ruben on my streams at Nintendori1988 on Twitch. And what is your current Souls-like game that you're playing with Ruben? Uh, Code Vein. Code Vein. Twinkie Vampires, right? Yep. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Can't argue with that. So, on to our kind of big final news topic of this episode. And that is that Valve recently announced a brand new portable gaming console, the Steam Deck. A lot of comparisons have been made between this and the Switch, but how do we feel about this new console? It's all right. And that's this week's episode. Um, Honestly... Thank you for listening. I think I'm going to buy it. I don't know if I really need to buy it, but I think I'm going to buy it. Might take a while. I've seen that pre-orders have kind of pushed it out to, like, Q2 2022. Um, at the earliest, yeah. So it might take a while, but I think I'm going to get it. Um, I love the idea of playing my untouched, well, not exactly untouched, but ma- mostly untouched um, stream library, stream, Steam library from anywhere but my desk because I sit at my desk enough and... After I'm done streaming or something, I don't want to continue sitting at my desk. And I have games that have not been touched in a very long time because I don't really want to game on my PC. 
Um, I want to game from my couch where I can get comfortable. I can lay, lay out, you know, and just play either from my TV, which you'll be able to do with the Steam Deck. So mm -hmm. I'll either play from my TV or just play handheld, like laying in bed. Um, you could play Final Fantasy XIV in bed. Sounds fucking fantastic to me. Um, I can finally beat Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, <laughs> like, there's so much. Um, I don't, like, I understand the comparisons it gets with the Switch. Like, the joke in the meme is that, um, Nintendo didn't make a Switch Pro, so, so Valve did. Um, but I don't really, I don't see them sharing the same consumer base. No, I think it's got a very different audience and a very different target market. It's a very different proposition to us. You know, a Switch, you turn it on, you pop the cartridge in, you play a game. The, 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 the Valve Steam Deck, it really is just a, a PC. It, it's, you know, and, and everything that that entails in terms of, you know, customization, device management... You can install Windows on it. You can install competing app stores. You can, you know, you can install emulators should you so desire. You know, you can really do anything you want with this. Um, and that level of flexibility comes at the price of, to an extent, usability and ease of use that you get with a Nintendo Switch. And also, of course, you don't get all those amazing nintendo exclusives on it either yeah that's well, one that's one unless you install emulators i suppose <laughs> that, that's, that's one thing that's one thing i'll be curious about because the switch ui is like until you hit the eShop anyway the switch ui is pretty like snappy yeah so i wonder how the steam decks will be well i mean that will be entirely dependent on whether you stick whether you stick with their Linux-based Steam OS, whether you install Windows and, you know, how much you decide to go delving into the the underlying operating system versus just using the, the front end. But I think it won't be, you know, it won't have this the, the ease of use of the Switch UI, that's for sure. I mean, to, to elaborate on my point <laughs> that I made several minutes ago now, um, <laughs> it, it is an interesting thing and it is a great thing I think for the industry for there to be a new handheld what with the the, the mm -hmm. death of the Vita and um, and a handheld with a huge amount of flexibility yeah as well. of course um, because like just the fact as, as you said Mark that you can install other launchers on this means that is a colossal amount of games that you could play on mm -hmm. this um and like Corey, I have a large Steam library of which I have touched a very small amount of it. Um, and this will give flexibility to be able to actually play that fucking library, um, which is great as well. Because um, there are, for, for all of the shovelware and shit that's on Steam, there are some genuinely great games on that platform. Um, I mean, you can make exactly the same argument about Nintendo's eShop. Oh, fucking, <laughs> of course you can. Um, 
I mean, the good thing about I, I guess I guess the the good thing about the Steam Deck over the Nintendo Switch is Steam is easier to navigate than the Nintendo eShop is. Um, but like uh, one thing I wanted, yeah, one hundred good point. Yeah, God, that fucking eShop is, a, and they certainly love a good sale. Oh yeah, Steam. like Steam is almost constantly in sale as well, which is good. You know, though I I I I'm going to be somewhat of a Nintendo apologist here. The eShop always has shit on sale as well, so there's always good eShop sales going on. Granted, um, they're just not Nintendo games. <laughs> no, that's very true. <laughs> but I think the the much larger array of AAA, if you like, titles available on the Steam store are almost always on sale at some point or another. Yeah. Um, um, and you know the price point of the console is really good as well. You know it's within fifty dollars or fifty pounds of the, sw- the 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 switch. Yeah, yeah. The for base. sorry, go ahead, <laughs> Ruben. Oh, I was going to say I was just going to agree with that and say that really, even the highest price point when you go up to the highest possible price point of the Steam Deck, it's still a reasonable fucking price and. Ruben? Have I gone? Apparently. Well, um, <laughs> apparently I've gone. Uh, I, I think, yeah, the other thing I think is, uh, you know, it is vastly more powerful than the Switch as well. Yeah, for um, $50 more for the base model, like, you can't really complain. Granted, if you want, like, the SSD hard drive and all of the all of the bells and whistles you're paying six fifty something like that for five hundred and twelve gigabytes of you know extremely fast SSD storage, but even the base model, although not necessarily advised, does have a does have an SSD slot in it. You can install your own EMMC no uh, no whatever the the SSD storage standard is that they're using. You can install your own one of those. And all of the models also have an SD port. So, you know, if you find that the 64 gig on the base model isn't fast enough for you, then go and put your own uh, SD card in. And you can, you know, you can buy those up to a terabyte in size at least. Expensive, but you can do it. And Valve also said that um, you you can switch out the SSD, but it's complicated. Well, you know, they also do have a vested interest in you spending more money buying the more expensive one because that's where the markup is. Mm-hmm. Capitalism. Uh-huh. We love to see it. <laughs> so, I don't think it's going to be a switch killer. I don't think you're going to see sales up there in the approaching 100 million figure. I think it's more niche than the switch but it doesn't need to be a switch killer it's a different market it's you know it's valve selling to its customers i i really hope that it does well i really hope it succeeds um i heard something today um and a person said that we all know the handheld that wins is the handheld with pokemon on it 
And then the handheld that gets second place is the handheld with Monster Hunter. <laughs> so well, the Switch has both of those right now. I mean, at least the Steam Deck. But it can't hold first and second position. <laughs> I th- well, unless you want to count the Switch Lite as a separate console, I suppose. <laughs> the the Steam Deck has Monster Hunter World, so there's uh, that's true. Um, but I I really want the Steam Deck to compete like i want it to do well i want it to compete because the steam deck doing well only hopefully pushes nintendo to do better mm-hmm. fix the fucking joy and we <laughs> whoa, whoa slow down Reuben. you're asking a little bit much i mean you either got wonky joy cons or fucked up button positions what one do you want i would oh yeah you do have a point <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, yeah, those 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 buttons on the Steam Deck are oh boy, those weren't considered. Um, they they look like the, the Steam Deck in terms of visual design looks like when a child draws a house and puts the windows in the corners of the building is what it looks like to me. Um, but like, it's kind of like the some, something about the. The, the, the buttons being at the top right and the, the colouring of it and the size. It's kind of giving me like like Game Gear vibes as well. Oh, it does look astonishingly like the Game Gear. I think you're right there. Sort of. Um, but the Game Gear was great if you could find the fucking batteries for it. Because um, you needed a few. Um, and then replace them every two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm Six batteries that lasted about twenty minutes. Is that that's? That... I mean, I think that I thought the Steam Deck is. I think the Steam Deck is a great thing that potentially has the. It it could potentially be an even greater thing if it if it turns out to do well. Um, the best like this is going back quite a ways. In terms of this conversation, but Corey mentioned memes to do with Steam Deck. And my favorite meme I've seen to do with Steam Deck so far I had a picture of Steam Deck. And it had a picture of the Nintendo Switch. And it said, The Steam Deck can play League of Legends. The Nintendo Switch cannot play League of Legends. Nintendo Switch wins. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, applause. You've, you've won the internet. Fine. See, the thing is, and what's going to be interesting is, that the Steam Deck doesn't need to sell well. Because... You quite often with new consoles, you get into this like catch twenty two of it needs to sell well in order for developers to make games for it, in order for it to sell, in order for developers to make games for it. The Steam Deck, it's just a PC. It's already got like the world's biggest library of games. It doesn't need to sell well to attract developers to it because developers are already making games for the PC. Yeah. At the same time. I do hope it sells well because Valve has a Valve is very Google like in a way where they will release something and then a year later go, well, that didn't work. And yeah. stop supporting it. But equally, again, it's a piece of hardware with an operating system on it. They don't need to keep supporting it. If you've got it, you can install whatever version of Windows on it you want, and it's just a PC. Well, didn't they say the same thing about the Steam box? 
Yeah. But again, <laughs> that was in the same boat, though. It was just a PC. You could install whatever you wanted on it. But then it didn't sell, so they stopped making it. Doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> <laughs> that, you see, the trouble was that that didn't have a market because they were just trying to reinvent a thing that already existed, the PC. <laughs> yeah, they were just trying to make a console PC with the stick box. That th- this is a completely this is entering a completely new sphere, really. Having a f- this is a new market, and I think it's got and it's a market with demand because the only thing in that market that it's got to compete with is the Switch, and there is you know I think there is demand for portable consoles, portable PCs that can play games, and I think it's a you know it's a market that has enough room for at least one other competitor to the Switch in it. We all know fucking Sony won't be it. No. And, you know, Microsoft are, they're not entering that market with a physical device, but, you know, xCloud game streaming on Android phones, iPhones, laptops, tablets, you know, they are are in that, yeah, (laughs) well, that is true, (laughs) but also stream to the Steam, you know, they're in that market of, uh, of providing games to the handheld market, they just don't have a device, so, you know, there is really a market there, and Steam... Valve aren't reinventing a thing that already exists like they tried to with the Steam boxes, which was basically just PCs. <laughs> I also wonder how long, if at all, like it wouldn't shock me if it does happen. Um, wh- how long will it take for Microsoft to be like, oh yeah, you can play Game Pass on that? Well, you already will be able to. Yeah. Well, you just yeah. need a browser. But, you know, Microsoft will be like, yeah, yeah. Play our games. Get Game Pass. Play them on the Steam Deck. Play them anywhere. I just can't see any yes. negative with this as a as a concept. No. And I think it's going to sell certainly well enough. I mean, already the. I mean, it's it's already it's already sold out until the middle of next yeah, year. So, so that's yeah. something already. So, that was Season 2, Episode 7 of Quiz at Play. Thank you very much for joining us, Corey. It's been a delight. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Quiz at Play. Or you can even join our Discord, quizatplay.discord.com, if you fancy coming and have a chat with us and a bunch of other people. But otherwise, we will see you on the next episode. But bye, bye everyone. Fuck Ubisoft. Bye. Fuck Activision Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>